So this whole thing is not intended to be a production or a show of any kind. It's really just letting you guys in to the front room because we've been a house church for a while. And so it's like letting you in on the circle of kind of what one of our evenings looks like, or actually it's been morning times. Um, and so uh, welcome, welcome to our discussion time where we talk about um, the way of Jesus and we try and figure it out together. Um, a lot of what we do is dialogue oriented, uh, not one directional, but it's uh, interactive. So when I say the question, when the world hears the word church, what are some of the things that come to mind? This is the part where you, a participant and not a consumer, a contributor to this thing, gets to throw out some things, some words. Go on, try it. <laughs> it's not scary. Sitting here is scary. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Okay. Anything else? Who's the pastor? Who's the pastor? What do you mean by that? Hmm. So like a figurehead. Okay. Worship. Worship. Nice. Anything else? Community. What else? When your neighbor hears the word church. You know when you invite your neighbor and you're like, Hey, so um, we got this. Uh, it's, it's this thing. It's not weird. Do you know you have to like caveat it? Where you, you like you're like it's not like that kind of a church, and it's not like this kind of the church. It's this. Do you know what I mean? What are those things that we're trying to avoid? What are those things? Clicky. Clicky. Condemnation. Condemnation. Judging. What was that? Judgment. Is there another one over there? Condemnation. Exclusivity. What else? Discrimination. Discrimination. Self righteous. Self -righteous. What a broad range of words that come to both our mind and the minds of people that Jesus actually died to pursue. Like when you think about back in, in history past, Father, Son, Spirit interacted together and they're like, you know what? This whole relationship that we got going, it is profound. Like so much satisfaction does the Spirit find in the Son and the Father and the Father and the Son and the Spirit, all those things. And there's like this dynamic, beautiful, relational element of God. In fact, we could actually describe God as being Pure goodness in relationship. Father, Son, Spirit. They said, well, this is so beautiful. What if we created something to actually invite into this beautiful relationship of seeing each other and listening and caring and loving one another? What if there were others for us to be able to extend our infinite goodness towards this is the conversation that took place at the foundation of the earth when they created man and breathed in the lungs of Adam and created Eve from Adam and welcomed them into this beautiful relationship where day in, day out, they were walking in the cool of the day with God in the garden. 
face to face, hearing his voice. They knew what the sound of his footprints sounded like. They understood what it was like to have this uninhibited, unbroken uh, creator-to-creature relationship of perfect balance. What happened? What happened to the people of God with their God in a place where he ruled and they delighted in his person? We all know where the story has gone from there. It went downhill fast and there was brokenness upon brokenness. Not only did Adam and Eve like, start to look at God as somebody to hide from, they objectified him and said, like, no, we're not going to relate to him in the same way. He's somebody to try and navigate around. We're stuck in his world and I want to get away from him. Not only that, but Adam and Eve, they look at each other and they start to say, hey, you know what, actually it's not my fault, it's your fault. You did that. And they start to see each other through broken lenses and they distance each other from one another. And soon, not only did Adam and Eve, but their ancestors and children and children and children began to see each other through broken lenses and found ways to mistreat each other. To to look at the other as less than deserving of love. To look at the other, not through the lens of God, who says each person is deserving of dignity and honor and love and pursuit and care and an intimate connection. We began to see each other as those who were getting in the way of my agenda. You see, the image of God that he created into each one of us, when they said, let us make man in our image, let us make them, it was that whole dynamic of relationship. We were created to be entered into a very real, intimate relationship that took the whole of who we were as creatures. Everything about you was designed to be overwhelmed and engaged and connected with the very person of Father, Son, Spirit. You were made to interact with God. But sadly, we've turned our attention away from God and away from others and towards self. And we live in a society that champions this. Take care of yourself. Pursue your own agenda. Make sure that you don't fall short of your potential. Self-actualization is like the, the, the fertilizer to the, the idol of self. Happiness becomes the, the trump card to doing what is right and being faithful and continuing to do what you were called to do. In life, you are surrounded. We are saturated with a world system that says, choose yourself. Forget about them. We find ourselves in a very strange, strange day and age where, um, you know, we're in the Northwest. Um, it's not uh, socially beneficial any longer to be a Christian. It doesn't help you. It's not going to help you in your company. It's not going to help you in your business because whoever you meet, they're either going to think you're uh, this way or that way, and neither really looks like Jesus. When I look at who we are as a, as a community, and I look at what the world is, is longing for and what they are seeing, I just wonder like, how much of what we do when we show up looks like the words of Jesus when he says, all those who are weary, 
all those who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Take upon me my yoke, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And I will give you rest. Like, this is Jesus. How much of that is actually showing up in our times together? And how are we showing that to the world? You see, when the church ceases to look like Jesus, the, the church ceases, Jesus ceases to be good news to the world. Because we are the tangible presence of God on earth. His body, His hands, His mouth, His arms, all of it. How are we as a community, as a people, doing at representing who Jesus is? And I think there are many places all around the city who are doing a really good job, awesome job. And what I want you to know is that God is calling us as a community to be representatives of Jesus Christ. Yes, in this city, but predominantly in Vancouver, uh, sorry, North Vancouver in Richfield. Because that city is one of the fastest growing uh, cities in the state. And we want to see Jesus continue to be pressed forward in that area and represented well as a place where people can come and know him. The people of Union Chapel have been gracious. They've allowed us to, to meet down here, and I'm grateful for it. But this isn't our home. We're going to be setting up camp in Ridgefield and reach out from there. And so when I look at this, I, I try and understand and try and figure out the best way for us to, to move forward um, as, a, as a community. I think a lot of us, um, when we look at what Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That sounds good to me. Anybody? Like, how many are you weary today? Oh, okay, there's five of us, great. <laughs> how many of you, um, when, when I say, okay, we're going we're gonna to do three church services next week, you're like, awesome. Uh, why is that? That we're in a day and age when that which has been created for us to give life, to many of us, it feels heavy. It feels like a burden. I'm being too honest, aren't I? That's, that's my thing. I, I say what you're thinking, I hope. Or I'm just the worst person in the room. That's possible, too. <laughs> I know that for me, like, um, church isn't always a blessing. Doing one more thing is not my cup of tea. I feel overworked. I feel stressed. I feel the pressure of being... Uh, in the community, being in business, doing all of those things. So what did Jesus talk about when he said, come to me? For, for my burden is light. That he's supposed to be good news to those who are weary. I can feel the tension in the room, I know that. And that's okay with me. Because we look to Jesus to be some sort of a healer because he truly is. But what if? What if what we've been looking to give us life is somehow um, it was good 
and can be good still, um, but it's, it doesn't necessarily deliver on the promise that it's set up to deliver. Let me give you an example. Um, when Jesus came to the earth, and he was asked to describe to uh, a group of people, what's the most important thing for us to do on earth? Does anybody recall this, like his answer? What is it? Okay. Love God, love your neighbor. Is this a, a new thing in that time and age? No. Okay. Love God. Love God was the thing they repeated every day. It was hiding in plain sight. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. They would have this as a repetitive thing. It became so repetitive that when they asked him, what is the most important command, Jesus? They weren't even thinking about this as one. They were like, no, there's 613 different laws. Like, tell me which one of those I'm supposed to do because, to be honest, I can't keep up with all 613. Some of them even counterdict. So what do I do? Right? And so they were overwhelmed with all the structure that had been built, going like, okay. And Jesus says, listen, the main thing is this. Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he adds to it and says, and love your neighbor as yourself. We as a community have been trying to figure out if, if Jesus says that's the most important thing, then how do we build a church that focuses predominantly on those things? I think every church actually starts with the idea, yeah, we want to help people love God and love others and make disciples. That shouldn't be a new thing at all. Um, what happens sometimes is we build structures and say, okay, if we get people to read their Bibles, that'll help them love God. And so we're going to talk about reading their Bible. And so we get a lot of people reading the Bible, but never interacting with the heart of Jesus. So we build this structure and we go, do that thing, do that thing, do that thing, do that thing. Come sit in a chair and I, I'll preach to you. Sit in a chair, I'll preach to you hoping and assuming that it's actually going to lead someone into the feet of Jesus. But actually, if I put all my work here, there's no guarantee that I'm actually going to be leading somebody to the feet of Jesus. The necessity is we have to have structure. But I worry that we've built a system at times that has allowed us as people to go into um, pilot mode. Autopilot, where we just we expect I'm going to show up at church, I'm going to go to a life group, and then I'm going to I'm going to serve somewhere, and it should equal the abundant life. The problem is is that we're involved, imperfect people who are prone towards self-centeredness, where we'll look for a system, a formula. So that we can stop thinking about our faith. Our lives are so busy. Okay, uh, on my calendar, Sunday morning, 8.30. Yep, I'll be there and I'll do it. Check. Now back to my life. Jesus brought up um, in his time on earth, he said, Rightly did Isaiah speak of you when he said that you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Why is it that Jesus didn't quote one of the external commands as being the most significant, but he actually said, 
The greatest command is the one that actually requires your internal being and not an external activity. Because he's after your heart. He's after your life. He's after the very essence of who you are. Jesus says the very most important thing for you to do in your life is not to to sign up for another program, to get involved in another thing. It's to actually uh, open the doors of your soul, the very... uh, centerpiece of who you are, the very most sensitive part of us that we all walk through life trying to shield from the brokenness around us. He's like, you need to press your faith through that element of who you are. And unless you do, your life is not truly going to equal the abundance that you're longing for. You see, Jesus, when he was at the well next to the woman, he said, I will give you an abundance of of water that will come out of you like a spring of life. And it will continue to bubble up and go beyond what you could imagine. You see, this is something that he's trying to birth out of the center core of who we are, not merely something that comes from what we do or what we participate in. So if you're looking at Sparrow City as another place where you can find the formula that's going to lead you to abundant life, there's no greater formula than what Jesus says, love me and love one another. And in doing so, you tap into the very heart of your created being and what you were made for. The hard thing that we come into contact with as individuals is when we find that our hearts are not necessarily um, soft towards God and soft towards one another. We actually have hearts of stone. That the opposite of love is not hatred, it is apathy. And there's a lot of apathy that goes around in the world today. You don't need another system. I don't believe that we need another system. So one of the convictions that we have is being uh, Christian minimalists. Now, that doesn't mean that we have like two pairs of shoes. My wife would not be a part of a church like that. Um, but what that does mean is we've, we've, we're looking for the heart of Jesus and go, Okay, Jesus, we are overwhelmed as a people. We're busy. And... and we want to we want to prioritize what's most important to your heart i don't want to waste my life doing what doesn't matter to you jesus even if it's got a sparrow city church sticker on it you see anything that's not connected to the kingdom of god is going to fall away and so instead of building a lot of programs, we're trying to actually build around three key relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationships with others, and our relationship with the lost world. Because that's what Jesus seems to be really passionate about. Love me, love one another, and make disciples of the lost. And so instead of kind of going, kind of tr- creating some big process thing, we're going, okay, what if we were just simple and we focused on being relationally present and careful with our love and what we're doing to cultivate that towards God, towards others, and towards the world? What if we were intentional with our hearts and we didn't build activities that we can do with our lips without our heart involved? What if everything that the church did was actually forced through the heart so that what you're doing is actually practicing the ways of loving God and others in all that we do. So it's not activity-oriented, it's not externally-oriented, it's internally-oriented, where God is actually weighing and looking and caring. God looks at the inside, the heart, 
Because we can do a lot of things for God that don't mean anything to God. We can do a lot of things that keep us busy, but actually don't cultivate your ability to be a good disciple in the world. And so what if we stop trying to make better churches and we start, tried to start making better believers who actually embodied the very nature of Jesus when you go out into the world? What if instead of, you, we, instead of making disciples who were good at showing up to events and sitting in chairs and filling up baskets full of money, like what if the discipleship we focused on was actually teaching us and practicing how to love Jesus in a real relationship? Because I don't know about you, I've tried to be a good Christian. I've tried to do all the things right, and guess what? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. I'm like, man, I must not love God because I suck at being a good human. So what if I don't know how to love God like he actually designed me to love God? What if thinking about, oh Jesus, you died on the cross for me, thank you so much, that doesn't actually make me have enough energy to say no to myself. Because the warm and fuzzies, that's not the love that God is describing in the Bible. The, the heart of Jesus who came to the earth to encounter individuals dead in their trespasses and sins. Unable to love him back. Unable to see him actively moving. Unable to hear his voice. Unable to even care who this creator was. He speaks and brings life, and he opens the eyes of the blind to see him at work. He clears out the ears of the deaf to hear his miraculous voice. He takes these hearts of stone, and he turns them into hearts of flesh that actually have the ability to care that our Maker is concerned with who we are and who we're becoming. You see, we don't need program. We don't need more philosophy. We don't need more formula. Because formula with me involved becomes neo-legalism. That I just focus too much on formula and the substance of what it is. To be a follower of Jesus falls away. We are too prone to selfishness to not allow the work of God to flow through our hearts and to renovate us from the inside out. So for us, we've decided to embrace new life in Jesus, which means we're intentionally discipling ourselves to hear the voice of God. To take time to listen and say, God, I see you at work around me. Show me. And I'll be honest, like, it's a practice that I'm driving around. I'm having a crappy day. And I'm driving around. I'm like, God, where are you? Like, I don't even know. I'm like, okay, God, show me where you're working right now. Bring to my mind something that you're doing that shows me that you're here. And the Lord will bring something to me. And I'm like, okay, this is relationship. God, what are you speaking to me today? Like, what am I supposed to be hearing from you? Okay, yeah, that's right. You spoke that to me in my time in the Word or in the song that I heard or whatever it was. God, I hear you. And it's one thing to hear the voice of God, but it's a whole other thing to actually hold the voice of God. To allow the weight of His heart and His cares to actually imprint your heart.
That's what caring is. To be shaped by something outside of yourself. God, what does it look like for me to care that you speak something over me? And God, I want to love you which isn't displayed as a word spoken. It's not some fluffy feeling that just goes, yeah, if I love that, yeah, you know I love you, God. No, it's love is in active belief. So because, God, I care, I'm then going to live in this way. You see, to love God is to um, embrace him as a weighty, significant other for who they are. Who is your creator? Who is the lover of your heart? Who is for you? Who is passionately about your um, resurrection, coming back to life? Guys, the most beastly thing that we can do is to create, create is to treat God like a force to be appeased. We, uh, we look to God when things aren't going well. We listen for what he's saying when we're trying to make a decision so that we don't make a mistake that's going to hurt us. And we care about what he cares about when we want his blessing. But do we like listen for him and build a relationship with him and allow this very real rebirth to take place? You see this image of God that he's put into us. It's this relational call, this beckoning. It's the same for us in relationship. You know, when we think about God um, and coming alive to him, we, we mark out our, our um, practices as three basic things. Um, communion with God, community with one another, and compassion towards the world. So we are embracing Christian minimalism, which is setting aside the unnecessary to embrace the indispensable. There's a lot of good things we could do as an organization. We'd feel really good about it, and you'd be like, oh yeah, we're a good church, that's awesome. But if it's not the most important things, it's not what I want to be doing. There's a lot of great places that'll do a lot of things, but we're going to be very minimalistic in our focus. If it's not going to help you become a better lover of God, lover of others, and a pursuer of the lost, then we're probably not going to put a lot of energy and resources towards that end. My confession tonight is that I put way too much weight in my ability to see God move in others' individuals' lives by just having people come Sit, listen, and go. I don't want to do ministry that way anymore. I want to be a person who helps people cultivate a genuine relationship with Jesus so that when you're out in the world, you're going to be able to utilize the very true relationship with God, that you're being empowered for Him and by Him, so that you can partner with the Holy Spirit because God is moving in your neighborhoods, at your workplaces. Wherever you spend time, God is already in front of you. He is moving. And so our job doesn't become to go uh, save the world. It's God, we believe that you're moving will you show us where you're moving so that we can partner? That becomes the heart. Secondly, we believe in a a contending community, which is not so much like a care group, but it's a, a group formed around the mission of Jesus. 
and we focus on how we're developing our personal relationship with God and with the lost. And finally, communion, the faithful communion with God, where we actually practice um, consistent, moment-by-moment presence, working with Jesus, talking with Him, interacting with Him, cultivating that personal relationship with Him. And so that really is defining, the defining element of who we are as I, I kind of draw this to a close is that we believe that Jesus called us to three things. Love me with the very core and essence of who you are. Love one another with the very essence of who you are. And pursue the lost with my heart and by my power. And this is who we are as Sparrow City Church. Um, as we close this moment, we really do believe God speaks. And so we're going to take communion in a minute, which is the act of response. As we see God is real, we hear what he says, we care about what he says, and we want it to shape the way that we live. We're going to take communion and I invite you to do that if you're a believer or you want to come to Christ tonight. That's great. It's just this idea that, Jesus, I'm renewing my commitment to you. Me and you are one. Um, but before we do that, let's take a second and just listen. So I'll encourage you to close your eyes and listen to what God may be saying to your heart. From what you've heard tonight. God, we listen for you. And we care about what you care about, Jesus. It matters to us that you see us. matters to us, Lord God, that you listen to our prayers, and so we bring them before you. We confess our sin. We lay down our brokenness. God, if there's a word you're trying to speak to each one of us, would you just whisper that to us now as we listen and care? we thank you for the death of your son Jesus when you heard the cries of man you saw our pain you cared and you moved towards action by giving your son in our place Lord, we love you and we thank you for the death of your son that has brought us peace. We give you our lives. We give you our love. And we give you our worship, Jesus, now. We pray in Christ's name.
guys can be seated for one sec. Um, I want to introduce you to my wife, Rachel. Come on up here. Um, there have been a couple of churches in town, and you know, you heard a good, you got a little taste of what we are, and um, we're. There are a lot of great churches in this city, and there have been a couple who have really supported um, us as we've been just dreaming and praying about that. One of those is Union Chapel. The other one is Kessid. And uh, so I've asked um, both Pastor Danny and Adam to just come in and commission and pray over our church and bless us. And so um, I just want to welcome them up and ask them to do that. And uh, Adam, since it's your your uh, your place of, of worship, I'll give you the last word. So Danny, thanks so much for the support as a couple, and um, just honored to have you pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, this room right now is, is just a place full of exaltation for you. This is a place that is, uh, that is starting something, uh, God, that, is, that, is, that has been done before, time and time again, when people decide that they have had enough and that they are willing to step out to where you are calling them. I know, Lord, right now that uh, to plant a church in this world, specifically in this part of the world, is a little bit like trying to start a fire at the bottom of the ocean. And there's nobody here who can do that. As a matter of fact, Lord, I just I confess that as the vision was being cast, I thought, man, that's amazing. Too bad it's too hard. And then, Lord, you begin to remind me once again that it is too hard except for you, that you are what accomplishes those things, that you are what fills in the gaps, that you are what brings the people and the resources and the vision and the passion like you've placed inside this family, this leadership, and these pastors. And so, Lord, we are so excited to be a part of it. We are so excited to see the, the impossible be accomplished. We are so excited to see what happens with Sparrow City, God, when you do something that everybody else knows could not be done unless you were part of it. We are grateful. We are filled with boundless joy that you have chosen to use people like us to accomplish such a beautiful thing. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his story. Thank you for his love for us. May, may um, God, this church from this day forward continue to be focused on the impossible, on the difficult, on the costly. May it be about you and all that you want to see done for your glory. We thank you, Father. We just lift it up to you now. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Uh, and the beauty of being together and of praising your name together and of thinking and of dreaming what it is that you uh, might want to do in and through us and in and through a new expression and a new community. Jesus, we know that you are the head of the church, that you're the one that uh, holds your body together. And we know that you've called each of us uh, to such unique and different things. And that um, you equip us for those things and your spirit empowers us to accomplish those things. But as Danny prayed, that, um, that without you, um, we can accomplish none of this. God, and so uh, we bring uh, this community uh, to your feet. And uh, 
We lift up David and Rachel and all who would step into places of leadership. Um, Jesus, we know that the call to leadership is, uh, is a call to serve, is a call uh, to become a servant and a slave, um, to lay down uh, our lives, uh, to uplift, to empower. Um, and so, God, we pray for the leadership uh, of this community, that you would give them uh, the strength to do just that, that you'd keep them from the temptation to lord anything over anyone, but would give them your heart, Jesus. Your heart which, um, which washed feet. Your heart whose body was broken and whose blood was poured out. Your heart who laid down your life for us. So I pray that you give that same spirit, that same heart, that same uh, power uh, to this community. And uh, spirit, we know that you live inside of us. The, you are the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And you make all things alive and move and energize. And so would you come and energize this community? Spirit, would you come and fill them and would you decenter them? And would you cause them to be your presence where you place them? That they would be uh, a light. That they would be a warm home. Uh, that they would be a place of belonging. That they would be a place of truth. It would be a place where people come and experience you, uh, the living God who has loved them so dearly. So Jesus, we, um, we stand up here tonight and we, we ask for all of these things. That we might walk humbly with you. That we might seek your face. And that you might accomplish your good work through us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, if, if you guys don't like Spiro City, either of those guys, they have killer churches. So um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, we always end every service by singing the doxology, which if you are an old school believer, you may have done that in your church as well. Um, it's just one way that we try and show unity because so many churches around the world sing this same, same melody. And so if you all stand together, um, and as you do, I'll just let you know, um, our opening date is January 23rd. It'll be located north of here, about 15 minutes. And uh, But we have little communities all around um, Vancouver area. And so more than a church, um, we seek to be a faithful presence and a good representation of Jesus. And so um, thank you so much for offering up your voices and your presence this evening in support tonight. Um, let's close our time with the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him all 
Father, Son, and Holy 